Welcome to the UEFA Champions League betting blueprint right here on Pinnacle.com. Gareth Mueller with you as we look ahead to this year's Champions League final, Liverpool and Real Madrid coming up this Saturday, May 28th. Joining me as always is Jake Osgathorpe from InfoGoal and Andrew Beasley. Gentlemen, thanks for doing this. The first time the three of us have gotten together in this capacity. And we get to look forward to what should be uh, just a wonderful Champions League final. Six-time holders, Liverpool taking on Real Madrid, who've won the tournament 13 times. We all remember back, just a few years back, Gareth Bale stealing the show when these two teams met last in the Champions League final in a 3-1 victory. And we're expecting fireworks again, and why not, based upon how good these two teams have not only been over the, the respective domestic campaigns, but their Champions League seasons as well, as well have been absolutely top uh, Andrew, we'll start with you. What stands out? And we'll we'll start with Liverpool here. What stands out to you about Liverpool this year in the Champions League and their path all the way here to the final? Yeah, they've had a really impressive campaign. Uh, they won all six of their group stage games for the first time ever, something they've never done before. Um, it doesn't always mean that the team who does that is going to win the competition. Um, in fact, it's rarely happened in the past, but clearly they were, they were sort of at it in Europe from, from day one. And then obviously in the knockout phase, you know, they've had some iffy moments in, in each of the ties, but equally at, at no point were they behind. Um, they lost at home to Inter, having won away. They drew with Benfica, having won away. And although they went 2-0 down to Villarreal in the second leg, um, they then scored three after the break to actually get through pretty comfortably in the end. So they've had a few sticky moments, but nothing sort of too serious that really sort of threatened their chances of of getting through each stage. So um, really, they can be delighted that they've uh, got through once again. Third final in five years is is pretty incredible. Um, and uh, I think they're you know they are favourites to win again, and I think that's you know deserved. They deserve to have that position. Jake, when I look at Liverpool. The group, when they were drawn into a group with AC Milan, with Atletico Madrid, um, uh, it, it, that that seemed to be with with Porto as well. That seemed to be kind of the biggest obstacle. But they kind of made it through the group stage with relative ease, didn't they? And they haven't played as difficult of competition as Real Madrid have in the knockout rounds, getting to the final here. They haven't, no. But um, that group stage form is looking very good right now, isn't it? I mean, Porto crowned Portuguese champions mm. not so long back. Atletico obviously won the league last season. And AC Milan, they're only a point away from winning Serie A this season. So that group stage form looks really good. Um, the way in which they sort of dealt with that as well, not just from a results standpoint, but an underlying number standpoint was really impressive. They averaged nearly two expected goals for per game allowing just 1.17. Um, that, that's sort of against top-tier opposition, which I think all three of those uh, have shown that they are top-tier opposition. Really, really impressive. And, and yeah, as you said, the running after that has been fairly kind, you would say. But the way, again, the way in which they dealt with those teams, um, maybe, as Andrew said, some of the results were a little bit iffy, but you know, the, the, the Inter Milan tie, for example, they won that one 2-1 on aggregate, but the XG total over two legs was 3.3 to 0.8. So it wasn't even close. Uh, Liverpool, if they had their shooting boots on, would have absolutely destroyed Inter uh, by a bigger scoreline. And the same could be said for all of the other ties as well. Um, you know, Benfica, it was 5.3 to 2.0 in Liverpool's favour. And against Villarreal, it was at 3.25 to 1.64. So effectively, what I'm trying to say is Liverpool have been a cut above everyone they've played. Um, uh, and, you know, the opposite can be said for Real Madrid, which I'm sure we'll get on onto shortly. Yeah, Andrew, Liverpool champions in 2019, a lot of the, the, the same players, the same faces 
are, are part of this Liverpool squad. Can you differentiate between the two? It seems like we, with the additions uh, in this team, especially from the from an attacking perspective, th- th- this group might actually be better than the team in 2019. Yeah, I think they probably are. Um, it took Thiago Alcantara a little while to get going with Liverpool, but I mean, he's been in fantastic form um, second half of this season, particularly. He'll obviously be in the midfield, whereas they had uh, Gini Wijnaldum in 2019. And then up front, um, you would imagine it's going to be Salah, Mane and uh, Luis Diaz, the new signing from January, who's coming from Porto. And uh, has obviously made a great start to his time with Liverpool. But if any of those aren't available, they've still got Jota, they've still got Firmino. Um, so, yeah, they've certainly, yeah, th- this team would appear to be better than the side that won it in 2019 and certainly a lot better than the sides that faced Real Madrid in the final the previous season. As for Real Madrid, this side has lost four times this season in the Champions League, including from against Sheriff from Moldova. You can't even make that up. And this team's in the Champions League final. And then they lost. It, it, it's been a difficult road to the final through the knockout round, having to go through PSG, Chelsea, and Man City. But they lost a game against each and every one of those sides in the knockout round as well. What does your modeling say, Jake, and InfoGo's modeling about Real Madrid and how they fared in the Champions League? Uh, the short and sweet of it is that they've been very lucky to get to this stage. Um, based on expected goals over both legs, they've been second best in every knockout match or in every knockout tie. Um, and, you know, one thing that the sort of the model, when it comes to these knockout competitions, because, you know, over a, over a league season, you've got a lot of sample size to work with, but over a knockout competition where you've got a couple of games, there's a lot of luck involved um, and you obviously can't quantify that look and Real Madrid have had a lot of luck so far this season in this Champions League uh, defensively they've looked all over the place at times over the entire campaign they've conceded uh, 1.6 expected goals against per game which is a lofty number um, and you know they seem to have been the beneficiaries of some really clinical finishing from Karim Benzema, who's been sensational, Vinicius Junior as well, um, and also some really good goalkeeping from Thibaut Courtois, who's one of the best goalkeepers in the league, and a lack of clinical finishing from their opponents. So um, we, we know that that's not sustainable over a long period of time. Whether it's sustainable for the final, we'll have to wait and see because, you know, it's 90 minutes, anything can happen. Um, but one thing I do want to talk about is the fact that Real Madrid have just, they've, they've, I don't know whether it's experience, whether it's nous, but they've just found ways to turn it on in specific moments when they needed to. Um, you know, if we look back at the, the first um, knockout game against PSG, they were 2-0 down on aggregate after 90 minutes of the first leg and 60 minutes of the second leg. And they won the, the final 30 minutes 3-0 with an XG total of 1.7 to 0.04. So they literally turned up for 30 minutes at the time and won the tie. Uh, and the same thing happened against Chelsea. And obviously we saw what they did against Manchester City they were comfortably second best for 179 minutes of the game. And then for the last, or for, for 15 minutes, six minutes of added time at the end of the, of the normal time and, and the first five, 10 minutes of extra time, they were the best team, but they somehow managed to progress. Um, what I would say that this is, it represents a lot of smarts from Real Madrid. They've got a lot of experienced players in there that perhaps can feel the ebb and flow of a game and, and feel when the right moment is to pounce and set the game up. Liverpool are the very exact same. Liverpool are the exact same. They're, they're a team that can play in bursts and that can just tear you apart in 15, 20-minute spells. So I think that's a fascinating battle to watch. Andrew, what stands out to you about Real Madrid? I mean, it's hard to add anything much to, to what Jake said there. I mean, it, it is a sort of 
case of finishing and uh, sort of know-how triumphing over sort of better teams or at least teams that had better chances than them in every round in the in the knockout phase. I mean, it, it, this is, their, uh, their, pro- their progression through the rounds seemed to get increasingly more um, ludicrous with with every uh, with every round. But as Jake said, if you look at the knockout phase, I mean, they scored 14 goals from 8.7 expected, um, which isn't sustainable in the long term, but it doesn't need to be. I mean, it needs to be sustainable for 90 minutes. Arguably, the way they've played, as Jake said, it only needs to be sustainable for 30 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever, if they can just hit a hot streak and, um, you know, make adv- take the advantage of that. I think one thing, you know, as has been written about since the Manchester City tie, Manchester City have had a habit in their Champions League exits of conceding several goals in a short space of time, having these moments where they have a tiny, tiny meltdown, but it's enough to see them exit the competition. doesn't mean it can't happen against Liverpool, but they don't tend to have these moments. So it will be interesting um, if Liverpool were to get, uh, say, a 2-0 lead, are they going to, are Real Madrid going to be able to do the same thing to Liverpool that they've done to the other teams? I'm not sure they can, but it doesn't mean that they can't, of course. Well, and I think there's a little bit more, uh, a little bit more unpredictability when it comes to Real Madrid in terms of how they're going to play. We know that Jurgen Klopp, basically what his best eleven is, Diaz, Jota. Like there, there's, there's maybe some small changes, but it really doesn't change the model of play. What happened beyond it being the Rodrigo show, really changing things, scoring those two goals against City, it was bringing in some younger legs, Camavinga in the midfield, which changed things as well. I don't think it's as straightforward for Carlo. Ancelotti. And based upon the fact that, you know, they came away winning La Liga, they won their domestic title at the end of April. Uh, there's been some time for Angelotti to kind of sit back and plot this out. I think they know, they'll need legs in the midfield. I mean, the, the familiar faces of Casemiro, Cruz, Modric, they're wonderful players, but how do you not play and utilize the legs of Camavinga in a game like this, Jake? It's just, it seems to me there's going to be a little bit more variance when it comes to the way that Real Madrid can line up for this one. Yeah, for sure. We've seen them playing different styles as well. Um, if, if you remember back to the first leg against PSG, they were literally camped in their own half and didn't look like they were trying to score. They were playing for a nil-nil draw. Um, but, you know, the second leg, and particularly at the Etihad, they were really attack-minded. They played a 4-3-3 with, you know, out-and-out out wingers, um, you know, box-to-box midfielder in there as well. So they can play and set up in a different ways. I agree with you. I think that the, the real sort of key battle, um, particularly, is going to be in the midfield. And for as good as Modric, Casemiro, Cruz are at what they do, particularly when they're dominating the football, they are really poor when they're trying to chase it because they've got no legs between them. I think what they've combined 200 years old, something like that. <laughs> um, you know, whereas you know, instant impact Camavinga came on and looked like a real Rolls Royce in there. And, and also Freddy Valverde, I think he's a bit of an unsung hero for the Madrid team. Um, he's very energetic. He's got fantastic um, running ability, running power. Um, and, you know, he can play at the right side of a, of a 4-4-2. He can play in the midfield and, and be a box-to-box guy. So I'd be surprised if he doesn't play in some capacity because ultimately I think we're all expecting Liverpool to dominate the ball, dominate possession, um, and it will leave Real Madrid running sideways a little bit. So, uh, yeah, fascinating tie ahead. Uh, and like you said, Ancelotti's had a lot of time to think about this and, and shoot over his, his potential starting eleven and potential subs that he could make that 
that could change the game and, and different things. Whereas I think Liverpool, it, it might help them the fact that they've been so relentless in terms of the schedule because they're in a real rhythm. They're you know they're winning matches week in and week out, and you know you can't count for any more than that. The, that winning mentality and, and just knowing what it takes to get over the line. So um, yeah, yeah, really looking forward to it. It's going to be a cra- cracking clash. What do you make of that, Andrew? Rest versus rust. I, I, just based upon the fact that Klopp has had to rotate on the trip to Southampton, uh, some of the players absolutely look like they've been through the wars and battles and have experienced the scars of 60 plus games this season. It has to have taken its toll. Rust versus rust, Andrew. Where do you stand on that? Yeah, it's hard to know, really. As, as Jake says, Liverpool are in a good rhythm at the moment. But as the season is reaching its conclusion, they're starting to lose players, um, many of whom are said should be okay for the final. But obviously, they've lost um, Fabinho, Van Dijk, Salah, all these key guys in recent weeks. And you have to wonder how fit they'll be for a match that could potentially go to 120 minutes. Um, yes, I think it's possibly to Real Madrid's advantage that they've been able to rest players in the last few weeks. They're key men with with nothing much to play for in the league. I think as well, obviously we've mentioned the Ancelotti factor, him having time to think about it. He faced Liverpool four times with Napoli and four times with Everton and Liverpool only won one of each game. And they only scored five goals in those eight games, I think. So he does have form better than almost anybody for being able to shut Liverpool down. Whether he can do it with the sort of ageing midfield, as Jake mentions, is, is another thing, but he's shown in the past he can do it with sides who aren't as good as Liverpool. So if he can do it with them, he can probably do it with um, with Madrid and him having time to work on that. They could have been working on that on the training ground for the last however many weeks um, is, is definitely a, a concern from a Liverpool perspective. Uh, before we get into some more of the modeling and the various markets, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the name Kareem Benzema. Uh, he's been an absolute beast over the course of this Champions League campaign. 11 goals from, uh, or sorry, 15 goals from 11 games he's played. In, he, he scored goals in nine of the 11 games he's featured in. Just how big of a factor may he, he be, Jake? And uh, uh, what's been so critical for his success? Like he's looked unplayable at times. Yeah, I think um, Benzema as a player is he works very much off instinct, um, and, and you know when you watch his goals and his finishes, he doesn't have time to think about it. You know, you think about the headers against Chelsea, the balls coming. There's only it's just natural instinct. He, he knows exactly what he's going to do. And I think that the goal against Man City was a perfect example of that, where he just rolled across and he's just lashed it. Um, I'm fa- I hope Van Dijk plays because I'm fascinated to see a Van Dijk Benzema battle because I think you've got the best defender in the world currently taking on probably the best striker in the world um, but one of the matchups I'm really really key to keep an eye on uh, is Vinicius against Trent Alexander-Arnold because we all know that Trent is an unbelievable he's a marvel going forward he is fantastic he's probably the most creative fullback we've ever seen um, but defensively because he flies so high up that pitch it leaves a lot of space and Vinicius in particular is fantastic at exploiting that space. Um, and, you know, even even if Trent is in position and Vinicius has got the ball, I'd fancy Vinicius to get past him six or seven times out of ten, maybe more. Um, so I think that's a key battle. And if, if there are markets on Pinnacle close to the time, I would be looking at backing Trent Alexander-Arnold to be booked because Vinicius has an incredible record of getting his opponents booked this season uh, and, and picking up fouls for Real Madrid because he is just such a direct runner. Andrew, what what stands out to you in terms of that? Or is there a market that you may favor based upon kind of what Jake laid out there? No, I mean, to be honest, I would have probably mentioned that sort of thing if Jake hadn't. I think, it, you know, the, the finishers versus Alexander-Arnold battle is going to be very key to the outcome. And I think it would suggest to me that Klopp might select Ibrahima Kanate um, at centre-back rather than Joel Matip for, for, for his 
recovery pace, which which Matic doesn't have quite so much. So um, yeah, that's that's definitely a key battle. In terms of markets and things, I mean, I think it's um, it wouldn't surprise me if it's a fairly quiet first half. Um, Liverpool had a 19-game run earlier this year of not conceding a first-half goal. Um, obviously, not always against sides as good as Madrid, but they're normally pretty solid in the first half of games. It's a similar pattern when you look at um, recent Champions League finals. There's only been a couple of first-half goals in the last four finals. Uh, Kai Havertz got the decisive goal last season and Mo Salah scored a penalty in 2019. Um, But other than that, there tends to be um, more goals in the second half um, of the finals once they start to open up a little bit. So I think um, going low on goals in the first half is definitely something that's worth looking at. Jake, what does your modeling suggest? Are there any markets that jump off the page for you? Yeah, the, the value play or the obvious one is just to back Liverpool to win in 90 minutes, uh, according to the Infocore model. We, we give him, we give that we make them um, odds on. So minus uh, in, in the minus 100, um, I think you can back them at around two, uh, what's that? Minus uh, plus 1.03, uh, plus yeah. 103 for Liverpool to win the game in 90 minutes. So that suggests a value bet on Liverpool. Um, I do think they'll just have a little bit too much for Real Madrid. I mean, we haven't talked about the depth of this Liverpool team either. We've talked about the starting 11, but the depth and, and the sort of game changes they can bring off the bench, not just in forward areas, but, you know, if Henderson doesn't start, he's a you know, great option to come off the bench. Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones played in me week. I thought they were fairly impressive, particularly Curtis Jones maybe coming in there and start Naby Keita is another one who gives you something different if he doesn't start so um, yeah I I think I'd give Liverpool an edge particularly because of the five sub rule in in Europe it means that they can if there are some players that are flagging that might need a change I I would fancy Liverpool's bench to make more of an impact than Real Madrid's even if Rodrigo does start on Real Madrid's bench Um, but yeah uh, Liverpool just to win the game in 90 minutes I think looks looks a solid play to me but one of the other things that caught my eye was actually looking at the goal line, which I think is set a little bit high. Um, I know we, 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 as soon as you hear Real Madrid and Liverpool, you think goals because there's so much forward, uh, you know, quality forward play. But when it comes to cup finals, they are very cagey, low scoring games. And we've seen that with Liverpool in both the cup finals they played this season. Obviously they were nil-nil, a pair of them. Uh, we've seen that in, um, in the Europa League final, which was a, a 1-1 draw. Last season's Champions League final was a 1-0. Um, the previous, you know, last season's FA Cup Carabao finals were both under uh, uh, low goal t- totals. So um, sort of jumping against the grain and, and back in under 2.75 goals. Um, which is uh, minus 103. So just a shade um, into the minus, I think that that could be um, a smart way to play. And by backing the under 2.75, effectively what we're doing is we've got, um, uh, if the game sees two or fewer goals, we get a full winner. So if it's 1-0, 0-0, 1-1, 2-0. it's three goals exactly, we only make half a loss. So you're getting that little bit of um, safety net there just in case, um, uh, in case it does hit three goals. So I, I would be happy to chance it being a low scorer. I want to throw it out to you guys because, uh, I mean, you watched all this football. Um, as you mentioned, Carabao Cup this year went to penalties, nil-nil. FA Cup final, Liverpool was in that game as well. It goes on to penalties. We just saw Europa League final. The last two years in the Europa League final, it's gone to penalties. The draw at plus 278 is jumping off the page to me here. Like, it, it from what you see and what the numbers suggest, are, are these evenly played games? Is, 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 there, is there a bit of, you know, is, is it a fortunate nature that's causing these games to, to go to extra time than penalties? Andrew, what do you make of that? No, I think the, um, the cup finals between Chelsea and 
Liverpool this season were both pretty close. I think um, Liverpool perhaps shaded the FA Cup slightly more than they did the League Cup, the Carabao Cup. But there wasn't a huge amount in it. Um, and I think you tend to see that in a, in a lot of cup finals, as we've said. Um, I was looking up uh, recently, you know, a lot of cup finals that have gone to extra time go to penalties. Not many of them get settled in in extra time. So if you think it's going to be a draw, you're probably better off betting on it being settled in penalties rather than in than in extra time if that's a market Pinnacle has. Um, and, and this could easily be, be the same. I mean, um, mentioned that Liverpool struggled against Ancelotti's sides. I mean, just to add to what Jake said, um, only one of those eight games saw more than two goals. So if he is of, of that mind to try and shut Liverpool down, and, and you'd have to think he will be, then yeah, low scoring game looks um, pretty much nailed on. And if it is, then, then a draw has to be a, a decent possibility. Yeah, it always comes down to risks in finals and people not wanting to take risks. And that ultimately leads to um, fewer goals because, you know, in a normal regular league game, Thiago, I mean, I'm pretty sure he'll be taking risks anyway because he's the kind of player he is. But for example, Thiago, if he sees a forward pass that he thinks that he could complete maybe 50% of the time, he'd play it no matter what in the Premier League. But 50-50, if he loses that ball in a Champions League final and Real Madrid go and break on them, then, you know, and score, that could cost them the final. So the, the risk factor is high um, because it's such a, obviously, 90 minutes to decide a final. So we, we see less risks, which obviously means less mistakes, which means less fewer goals. So, um, yeah. And, and like Andrew said, as soon as it goes to extra time, they might as well just not bother with the extra time anymore because, again, the risk factor is even more high, is even higher because the chance of you coming back having conceded an extra time is, is and picking yourself up off the canvas is, is even slimmer. So, uh, you're happy, they're happy to take the chance of the penalties. So, yeah, if you fancy the draw, absolutely back either teams to, uh, to win on penalties. Uh, I, I like how you say less mistakes. That's because Carius is long gone. It's Alison Becker. <laughs> no, no, sorry to Liverpool supporters out there, but I mean, but we saw a mistake by Mendy against Real Madrid this year. So it, it's been a it's been a crazy campaign. Um, anything else that jumps off the page to you, Andrew, that um, our listeners should be wary of or aware of heading into this Champions League final? I think just as, you know, as a Liverpool fan myself, it is quite hard to sort of divorce the emotion from the from the numbers and things from this. I think if it was Manchester City playing Real Madrid or if I supported somebody else and it was Liverpool playing Real Madrid, I think Liverpool or City or whoever would, would win quite easily as much as you can't ever dismiss the Madrid factor in their comebacks. But if there's the one stat that stood out to me is that um, Real have given up five or more shots on target eight times in the Champions League this season. And if they do that again, they're just not very likely to keep Liverpool out. And, and Liverpool have only allowed that many uh, in one of their 12 games. So Liverpool's defensive edge, as much as they've got loads of great attacking players, both teams, I think Liverpool's defensive edge could be enough to see them through um, a low scoring game, um, possibly 1-0 in 90 minutes, something like that. Jake, anything else? No, I think we've we've got everything covered there. Um, uh, like Andrew said, I'm a firm believer that when we do get to these latter rounds, the better defensive team has a much better record or better chance of actually lifting the trophy because, you know, the chance of them keeping a clean sheet is a lot higher than the team with the second best defensive record of the two. So, um, yeah, I, I, for me, I'm happy to, to ride with Liverpool. Uh, I think they're the better of the two teams and I think that they will have too much for, for Real Madrid on the day. Well put. One thing that is a safe bet, I don't think that Gareth Bale will be coming off the bench to score a brace, a bicycle kick out of nowhere to go on and 
and win the Champions League and win the man of the match. Um, but who knows who will be that star, who will be that hero. Uh, should be a phenomenal um, uh, Champions League final. Uh, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Saturday, May 28th. Uh, Jake, where can our listeners follow along with you on Twitter for all your insights? Uh, it's at jkoz, J-A-K-E-O-Z-Z. That's two Zs. And Andrew, you? Uh, mine's at base tune to red, which is even stranger. But uh, <laughs> if they look up Andrew Beasley, I should appear on there anyway. Mine is boring old at Gareth Wheeler. What's not boring is at Pinnacle. It's where you find this podcast and plenty of other uh, must-haves for all of you sports bettors out there. Go to Pinnacle.com as well uh, to read plenty of articles and get all the insight that you require about the Champions League and the buildup to Real Madrid and Liverpool. You can also uh, have a chance to win by registering as well. Uh, A chance to win a Real Madrid and a Liverpool jersey as well. Thanks to Jake. Thanks to Andrew. Enjoy the Champions League final. And thanks for tuning in. This has been the UEFA Champions League betting blueprint right here, courtesy of Pinnacle. 